0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Sean. I'm one of the members of the Crossroads Teaching team, and I am so happy to see you all. Also, to those at home joining us from the comfort of their couches, welcome. I hope that this service is a blessing to you this morning. If you've been with us these last few weeks, you will know that we are in the middle of a series looking at the seven. I am statements that Jesus makes and that we read about in the gospel of John. Johan kicked us off two weeks ago looking at the first of those, I am the bread of life. And then Steve last week taught us about I am the light of the world. And today we are going to look at, and I think it's up on the screen as I am the door of But as I'm going to explain, actually, I think it is, I am the gate for the sheep. Now, friends, before we start looking at today's passage, let me just give you some helpful background, some helpful context. The first thing is when Jesus speaks in this way, he is to some extent copying, mirroring the words of God that he spoke to Moses from the burning bush, you'll remember from Exodus 3 verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And then Moses says, but who should I say to the Israelites sent me? And God says, tell them, I am has sent me to you. You see, in a sense, Jesus by copying, mirroring this way of speaking is already connecting the dots, is already creating the link between himself and his Father in heaven. The other bit of background that I want to share with you is Jesus makes the statement, I am the gate for the sheep, when he finds himself in Jerusalem. He has gone there for the festival of the tabernacle. Steve told us about that last week. But the interesting thing is he first stays in hiding for a few days. He sort of hangs around in secret because he knows that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are out to get him. And he knows it's not yet his time. So he stays in hiding, and it's sort of only halfway through the festival That he makes his appearance. He goes to the temple and starts teaching. And friends, that's when the conflict, that's when the fireworks with the Pharisees really begin. That's when we start seeing this contrast between what the Pharisees stand for and between what Jesus stands for. And it plays out for us in quite a practical way through two Well-known stories, excuse me, through two well-known stories, and we read about them in John 8 and John 9. The first is the story about the woman caught in adultery, and she's about to be stoned. And Jesus comes in and he saves her by saying, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You see, until that time, it was all about the law. The law handed down by Moses, developed over the centuries, and strictly enforced by the Pharisees. And according to that law, she had committed a serious sin, and she would be stoned. But enter Jesus, and he turns it on its head. Not by saying, it is no longer a sin. We read later on in the story that he says to her, now go and sin no more. So it's not by changing that it was a sin that she committed, but he changes the consequence. In fact, Jesus is already pointing to what is going to happen on the cross. The law, the strict enforcement of the law is going to be replaced by love by forgiveness by mercy and the pharisees are furious just think about it the law is everything they know they've spent their entire lives studying and enforcing the law it's the thing that gives them power it elevates them above the other members of society and in comes jesus with this stuff about forgiveness and mercy. And love. And it takes away their power. So it's no wonder we read in John 8 verse 59. At this they picked up stones to stone him. To stone Jesus. But he hid himself. And he got away through the temple grounds. You see this conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees playing out in this story. And then we go to John chapter 9. And we read the story about a man born blind, and Jesus heals him. Just think about what that would have been in the city. I think it would have been the talk of the town. Here's a man... He was born blind. He's been blind his entire life. He was begging on the streets and suddenly he can see. We read about the neighbors saying, "Ah, Surely it can't be him. Surely not. And he says, No, it is I. I can see. And the Pharisees hear about it and they're angry. And they call him in and they call his parents in and they say, What happened? How did this happen? And the man continues to insist, Jesus healed me. And therefore, surely, he must be from God. And he's telling it to all the people around him. And the Pharisees, instead of rejoicing at his healing, instead of of being happy for him, they see their power further slipping away. And they need to get their message across. And their message is... There is only one way to God, and it is through the law. It is through the law that we enforce. And if this man is going to say he was healed, and he was healed by Jesus, and claims that this Jesus is from God, well, that's nothing short of heresy. And so they mock him. They insult him. They even excommunicate him from the synagogue. The message to the man is clear, but the message to the people around watching this unfold is equally clear. You keep on following this guy called Jesus. You keep on claiming that he is from God, and we will reject you. We will kick you out. We will excommunicate you from the synagogue. Friends, that is the background. That is the power struggle that is taking place between Jesus and Jesus and the Pharisees when we now turn to our reading for today. And it is from John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. It's up on the screen. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of him, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from Him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what He was telling him. That's the first piece of the reading. And then, because the Pharisees don't understand Him, He moves on and He tries again. And this is the second piece of the passage. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have life to the full. Amen. Friends, when I read that passage the first couple of times, when I looked at the first piece of it and the second piece of it, there was actually something that had me a bit confused, if I'm honest. I looked at the first piece and I saw the sheep pen, I saw the gate and the gatekeeper. And I saw the shepherd, and the shepherd came in in the morning and he called the sheep out and they followed him. And I thought about that and I thought, ah, Jesus is the shepherd. We follow the shepherd. Made sense to me. And then I looked at the second piece, and all of a sudden Jesus changes tack and he says, I am the gate for the sheep. And I thought, hang on, is he the gate or is he the shepherd? And, and I sort of got confused. And the answer is, he's both. He's both. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why the Jews of the time when they heard this would have understood it. In those days, you had two kinds of sheep pen you had the so-called urban sheep pen built at the edge of the city. It had high walls, it had a metal gate, it had a hired hand acting as the gatekeeper. And all the shepherds of that village at nighttime would come to this sheep pen and would lock up their sheep there for safety and in the next morning they would come, they would stand at the gate, they would call, and the sheep would recognize their master, their shepherd's voice, and they would follow him out. That is the kind of sheep pen Jesus is talking about in that first part of the passage, and you can can understand that. But there was another kind of sheep pen. The sheep pen built out in the countryside. You see, because often the shepherds went out far to find good grazing, and they didn't have time to come back every night. And still there were the dangers that threatened the lives of the sheep, the the bears, the lions, the wolves, the thieves and robbers. And so they would build these sort of makeshift countryside sheep pen with the rocks that they could find, with thorny bushes, and they would make this sort of circle and they would drive the sheep in but of course, in the countryside, you don't find metal gates just lying around. So they still had to close the entrance, and this is where the shepherd came into the story. The way the shepherd used to seal that sheep pen was he would go and lie down in the gap himself. He would form the barrier that keeps the bad stuff in uh, out, I should say, keeps the bad stuff out. And keeps the sheep safe on the inside. The Jews would not have known this at the time, but it made me think you already see in the story Jesus, the gate, laying himself down, laying his life down to protect his sheep. And the Jews of that time would have understood that, and I think it's helpful for us too, as we now look at the passage itself. There are three main characters. The sheep, the Pharisees, and Jesus. Now, if you haven't noticed yet, we are the sheep in the story. You may find that slightly insulting. After all, sheep are not really the most powerful and maybe not even the most intelligent animals in the animal kingdom. Wikipedia told me that actually sheep are not that dumb after all. Some say they are as smart as dogs. I'm a dog person, so I think sheep obviously show it in a different way. But that's not really the point. What you need to know is that sheep were an extremely important symbol of value, of position, of power in those biblical times. Sheep were an extremely important sacrificial animal in those times. The Old Testament and the New Testament are both scattered with stories reflecting the importance and the value of sheep. And Jesus himself is referred to as the Lamb of God. Being a sheep is not an insult at all. It's supposed to be a compliment. But not only that, I think the metaphor of referring to sheep also refers to some of the elements of our very human nature. We too can be a little bit stubborn from time to time, right? We too have our own minds. We too put our heads down and focus on grazing in front of us, the busyness of life. We look down and when we finally look up, We lost and we discover we need guidance. We too are social animals. We too like belonging to a flock. We feel safety in numbers. We want to be part of. And really importantly for this passage, we too are under constant threat from the enemy. Seen or unseen, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Friends, by Jesus saying we are sheep, by Jesus saying we are His sheep, He is reminding us you are valuable, You are important. You are part of my flock. I know your very nature, and I know, and I am here to protect you from the roaring lion that is out to devour and kill you. Which brings me to the Pharisees. I've already shown through these stories how we've seen this power struggle, right, between the Pharisees and Jesus. We saw it play out in the stories of the woman caught in adultery and the blind man healed. But here in our reading, Jesus ups it even further. He takes the confrontation to the Pharisees directly. We read about Him saying, very truly... I tell you, Pharisees, he's talking to them. If, if Jesus, he's not, but if Jesus was a violent man, I could imagine him taking one of those Pharisees by the collar and shaking them and saying, you need to listen now. Because what he's about to tell them in this passage, I think, goes against some of the foundations, some of what the Pharisees considered to be obvious truths at that time. And to some extent, I think we too sometimes get this piece wrong. Let me explain. When I was growing up, when I was a young kid, I thought I had to earn my way into heaven one day through my good behavior and my conduct. I thought I had to follow the rules, the commandments. I had to go to church. I had to read the Bible. I needed to know the the Bible. I needed to pray regularly. And that's how I earned my ticket into heaven. The problem was, when I compared myself to the standard of Jesus, maybe some of you recognize this, I never thought I was good enough. I had these feelings of guilt. And so while I thought I needed to earn my ticket into heaven through my conduct and my behavior, I looked in the mirror and I seldom thought I was good enough to even get on the waiting list. That's what I thought. And I think that's what the Pharisees would have promoted. But I also think some of us, probably in this room, sometimes think that. And I know that the world out there thinks that. Christianity is all about rules, all about the do's and the don'ts. And I want to live my life, I want to be free, I want to have fun. I'm not interested. And the message of Jesus in this passage is saying to all of us, that's not my way. Think about it. What is the sheep pen? What does the sheep pen represent? To me, the sheep pen represents a place of safety, a place of protection from all the threats out there. It's a place where I am fed, where I am nourished, where I am part of the flock, where I feel a sense of belonging. In short, the sheep pen is through those other gates. And Jesus is saying to us in this passage, those are not the gates that are going to get you there. There is but one gate through which you can access the sheep pen, and that is through Jesus. That is through placing your trust, your faith, your life in the hands of Jesus. That's how you get into the sheep pen. And that's what this passage is trying to teach us. I want to break it down for us in four practical things. Maybe these are your four takeaways from this sermon number one if you're sitting here and you think i need to follow rules in order to get into heaven if you if you're sitting here and think being a good christian is all about following rules and the commandments and the teachings of the bible yes those are important but this message is telling us that is not the reason why jesus came to earth Jesus came to earth because we are all broken. We are all sinful. And Jesus came to earth because He was going to die on the cross for us. And through His sacrifice, paid the penalty for every sin you have ever committed and every sin you will ever commit. He has paid the price. Jesus came because He wants to love you. He wants to show mercy to you. He wants you to be part Of his flock. That's the first point. The second one is this so, what do I need to do in return? One thing I need to believe, I need to have faith and put my trust in Jesus. That is the gate that each of us has the choice to walk through or not. That is what Jesus asks. That's the second point. The third point is, and this is the difficult one, so what do I do with all those commandments and teachings from the Bible? Sean, are you telling us we can just ignore them now? It's not what I'm saying. Think about it this way. Think about your favorite sport. Maybe it's football. Imagine the game of football without any rules, no handball, no offsides, no field with lines, no rules against dangerous tackles. There wouldn't even be a goal. Ask yourself, what's the point of the game? Would you even enjoy the game? But the point is this about the rules of football. You don't start playing football by first following the rules, by first learning the rules. You start playing football by kicking the ball around in your backyard with your parents. By going to the park and kicking it around with your friends, playing keepy-uppy in the street. You join a club. You fall in love with the star players. You watch it on TV. You grow a passion for football. And friends, when you then start playing matches, you suddenly go, oh, they're rules. I have to play by those rules. But they aren't a burden. They aren't a thing that stands in the way of your enjoyment of the game. It gives structure. It gives purpose. It gives meaning. And friends, I've come to think about, as in the game of football, so also in the game of life. In the game of being Christian, say yes to Jesus and those rules, they're just part of it. They, they, they're not a burden anymore. The things that we learn from the Bible, they just, I want to say they come, become automatic. Yes, you will mess up sometimes. Yes, you will get a yellow card or a red card. But if you come back to the game, if you say, I'm sorry, I messed up. If you say, I want to walk back through the gates. I want to be part of this team. I want to be part of this flock. You can come back every time. Every time. You are welcome in the flock of Jesus. That's the third point. And then my last point is this. Friends, just as in the game of football, also in the game of life, in the game of being a Christian, it is not your role to be the referee. It is not your role or position to weigh or to judge the brokenness and sinfulness of the people around you. The Bible is full of texts telling us, thou shalt not judge. Matthew 7 verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Our story about the woman caught in adultery. He who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Or what about Luke 6 verse 37? Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. These are the words of Jesus. This is what He taught us. Do not judge. It's not our position to be the referee. And so when in life you encounter someone, a friend, a member of your family, a colleague, And you see their brokenness. You see their sinfulness. Please remember the route to their salvation, the gate to their salvation is never through judgment. It is never through rejection. It is never through condemnation. It is through love. It is through mercy. It is through telling your story. This is how Jesus saved me. This is how I got into the sheep pen. Because I too am broken. I, too, am sinful, and Jesus loves me anyway. And that's the gate I walk through to get in to the sheep pen that is life lived to the full through Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, I want to close for us in a slightly different way today. I want to read for us Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is often referred to as the shepherd's psalm. I'm going to rename it today and call it the psalm of living life to the full. So as I read this for you, let these words really sink in. Let this be our prayer. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody say Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.